welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversations, and encourage further innovations that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to our part two discussion about Black Tech 614 and Black progress in technology-related career paths through education with Dublin, Ohio's Chief Information Officer, Doug McCullough. Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. How are you? I'm well. Thank you guys for having me. It's good to be here. Awesome. Great. And just like... uh, uh, with regard to the K-12 realm and also, you know, higher education and plus, you know, what you've been talk- talking about with the public and private um, uh, partnerships. Um, you're recently, you know, the founder of Black Tech 614 um, here in Columbus. Can you give us an overview of what Black Tech 614 is and its mission um, with regard to, you know, uh, advancing, you know, Black uh, Americans within the tech space? <clears throat> Absolutely. So Black Tech Columbus is, I'm one of 11 co-founders of Black Tech Columbus, and uh, we have a a mission. So we founded Black Tech Columbus to create an authentic space for Black technology professionals to connect, collaborate, and create. Uh, And one of the key words there is authentic space. Uh, As a Black technology professional myself in the Columbus area, I have been uncomfortable. I don't always sit in an authentic space. I don't express my culture. I don't wear my hair the way I want to wear it. I, I don't, you know, I don't have comfort. <laughs> and that is because as a community, we need to gather and support ourselves in our industry. Uh, we were at a moment a couple of years ago when the industry was saying, we would like more diverse candidates and more diversity in our workforce in technology, but we can't find them. We don't know where they are. And it's just, you know, we, we put our job descriptions out there and they don't apply and I don't know what's going on. We can't find them. Well, that's, that's enough of that. You know, I think we have a black technology core community that was not organized. It was not vocal. It was not visible. And so we had a conversation with a number of uh, people who work in the industry about, you know, we want to do something about this. And we founded Black Tech Columbus for that reason. Uh, the organization focuses on, on three main kind of activity zones. One of them is learning communities. Uh, the second one is professional development. And the third one is social networking. Uh, as a learning community area, we often find an entry-level job into the technology industry and stop right there. There's no development. There's no mentoring. There's no access to opportunities in education. Uh, after you got that first job. We have to fix that as an industry. And so we started a learning communities activity so that a subject matter expert or a thought leader in some aspect of the technology could come in and expose our community to the possibilities in that realm, like cybersecurity or or like uh, uh, data science or being an architect. So as you may know, you don't graduate from school and walk in as an architect. It takes years to develop those kinds of skills. And if you don't have a path to it, you're not going to develop that way. So we wanted to self-organize so that we can expose Black people to those pathways. And then in professional development, you know, we we have some weaknesses when it comes to things like mentoring and sponsorship and networking and LinkedIn. 
and some of those things. And, and that's, uh, those are little secrets that you got to tell each other. You need a network mm -hmm. of people to say, hey, did you try this? Uh, do you know this person? And so we wanted to do that. And then finally, we don't know each other in this community. So we needed to have social networking activities so that um, black technology professionals could meet each other, develop relationships. So when you do need that reference from outside of your organization, or when you do need uh, somebody to, to talk to, you have that phone number, you have uh, that contact information. So th those are at a very high level an interest in, in just uh, organizing ourselves. One other thing that I'll say about it, we had our first conference last year. It was incredible. You should have been there if you weren't. The food was awesome. The music was great. Was I was there. there. You were there. So you I remember there. the music? Uh, <laughs> yes. We had Kalalu at lunch. You know, we yeah. had his uh, <laughs> Caribbean kitchen. Uh, it was yes. awesome. And we got to know each other. Um, but the theme of that conference was we're here. And that's a, a shot across the bow. We're planting a flag in Columbus to say, you can't find us. You know, we're here. We are right here. And that goes not only for employers, but for black tech professionals as well, who many of us work in isolation and say, I don't know where, you know, that community is. Well, we need to plant a flag and say, you can reach us. And this is how we've got events and we need to come together so that we are speaking with one voice on a number of issues. To, to extend into that conversation a little bit more, would you mind um, talking a little bit more about the team uh, that, that is involved um, and even some of the other, uh, uh, maybe even organizations that are involved? Because I think it, it's helpful for our listeners to understand not only that um you know you can come from different spaces to connect with this you know like the kind of work that tony cunningham does but then also the kind of work that you do and these are all still tech spaces um and and then at the same time it also be helpful to know uh that technology essentially exists everywhere right so you know you don't have to be in the cio's office to be you know, a tech professional. You don't have to be uh, in the, um, you know, application development area to be a tech professional. You can work for, you know, um, COSI and be a tech right. professional, you know. So if you can expand into that a little bit more for us. Absolutely, and that's a really good question. And a lot of people don't know that, but you know who some of the founders of Black Tech Columbus are. So I'll say that they are not all technologists. Right. Um, so you do have Tony Cunningham, who is the managing director of Perscalus Columbus. Perscalus is an organization that helps uh, adults reach into the technology industry from non-traditional uh, non career pathways. So people who may have been doing something else uh, uh, you know, gain some technology skills and pivot their career like I did. So I want to, you know, make those opportunities available to other people. She's not a technologist herself. Um, you have Kim Gale as well, who was doing a similar thing at the time of our founding, but now she's at the Columbus Urban League uh, working with uh, small and medium-sized businesses and helping Black-owned businesses get access to capital. Um, you have a few technologists uh, out there. You have people in technology sales who are not technologists really, but sales is an important aspect of our industry. And it's a great career path to go in uh, that people need to know about. 
Um, so you, you have people who are in the training uh, organizations and people who are in consulting, uh, people in leadership like myself, um, all who came together to, to develop that. We also have a nice linkage on the creative side, by the way. Um, it, when you get into black technology, you're going to find a lot of musicians and a lot of people in the recording and print and those kinds of things and art. Um, so we want to maintain those connection points. Um, and that's important. But the rest of the community as well, Black Tech Columbus is not the only organization that's doing this. You have an organization called the Senior African American Leaders in Technology, which is filled with more, leaning more towards the same kind of people, but leaning more towards people who are at that upper edge of uh, leadership in the industry. I, I am a member there and I am active in those activities as well. You also have Black Hack, which had been doing this work a couple of years before any of the rest of us had gotten involved and they have a mission to expose people to how they can form their own companies get access to capital and many of those things so there are other organizations and other networks there and we do try to work with each other um, in really serving this community and we're not creating a situation where any of us really can do it all um, but um, there's a lot of diversity even in the African-American technology community as well. That's awesome. Um, like you said, you guys are doing a lot, you know, with different conferences, you're bringing speakers in at the Black Tech, you know, Columbus um, e events and, and whatnot. Um, also, too, you know, there's a lot of social unrest going on um, throughout the country, as you see. Um, and one thing that I uh, really wanted to kind of touch on also was, you know, the equity aspect, you know, of education, you know, mobility, food, health, and all those different things. And um, Black Tech Columbus, you know, you guys have a call to action right now of adopting a school here in Columbus. Can you expand on uh, that call to action and how, you know, others can get involved to help out? Absolutely. So uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, uh, when many of the George Floyd inspired protests were, you know, just getting global, you know, and we need to remember that this is global. You know, it's not just American cities and it's just all over the world. This amazing awakening of consciousness and awareness of things. A lot of businesses and companies and organizations uh, were asking a lot of questions. We want mm -hmm. to change. We want to make a difference. We want to invest. We want to be part of the solution. Uh, that's great and, and it's important. Many of them are technology companies in, in our space. And they were asking questions like, what should we be working on? What should we do? And they did not have the answers to that, which by itself is kind of interesting. You know, uh, <laughs> these are very well-resourced organizations, but Black Tech Columbus felt like we were in a position where we needed to raise our voice and make a statement about um, a call to action. And so we did. First, we made a statement about racism and white supremacy and mm -hmm. how we are against it. There's no harm in just making a declaration. But then we put out a call to action, which included uh, uh, different spaces that's important to work on if you're interested in economic justice. So I want to draw a very clear line here for your listeners. Um, the George Floyd protests are about criminal justice and public mm -hmm. safety. They are about violence and basic human and civil rights. So a lot of people will say, well, how do you get to over here uh, from there? Many of the situations we find ourselves with with the police have their origins in the larger participation in the economy. Mm -hmm. And so 
when our schools aren't where they need to be, when the rest of our criminal justice system isn't where it needs to be, when we don't have access to jobs that have amazing uh, salaries and, and the opportunity to create generational wealth, when we don't have that, we wind up in the street with a, with a knee on our neck. And mm. if, if you're still struggling to draw that line, I think you guys can draw that line. But yeah. um, if you're a big corporation and you wanna know what you can do after you support criminal justice change, you can work with schools. And so one of our call to action items was we will adopt a school. Now, some of the others that I'll just mention will stay on the schools, you know, have to do with second chance employment, for example. You have a lot of people who uh, have very minor infractions, uh, go to jail or prison, pay their debt to the society and return and don't have access to this economy. So we really don't want to hear about we can't find people when we're not giving people a second chance after they have paid their debt to society. Many adults want to enter into our field. I'm just saying adult as someone who's past college age, uh, traditional college age, want to enter into the field and don't have access to skills development. Let's work on that. So those are the kinds of things that there is a continuum of development from schools and school age children to after you've hired people and through there up to my level when you become a CIO that need to be dealt with and companies and organizations really can't figure out how to do that. We need to articulate how do you do that. So just the one thing that you're asking about right now is let's take all these resources and let's go into some of the schools that you will find in the Columbus area that are extremely under-resourced. They're not going to develop huge major STEM programs because they're trying to deal with basic issues. They do not have the network. They don't have the bandwidth. Their teachers and staff don't have the training. And so often what we'll do is back up a truck full of Chromebooks or, you know, Apple iPads uh, to the school and they've got crates of them you know, closets full of these things and no one to assist the students in how to use them and, and the staff and how to manage them, they become overwhelmed. That becomes our job as a community to adopt these schools. Schools never worked by themselves. The government just doesn't pay for them and make them work perfectly. Communities must support schools. And so if we're going to avoid future George Floyd situations, we must invest in our schools, not just with money and technology devices, but with personal attendance and presence and mentoring and all of those things. I mean, that's, that's great. And, and, and so I'm gonna um, diverge a little bit here to ask you a, a question related to, to access because in one of the posts that you made on, on LinkedIn related to this initiative, uh, the articles that you wrote, you said students need access to devices, networks, and knowledge of how to maximize their use of them, right? And so in, in some of my previous work, I did a lot of work in, in schools, in Columbus City Schools in particular, and I, I cannot agree with that more. One of the things that um, always was challenging was students being given technology and then just assuming every student knows how to use it because they were born after the year 2000, um, which doesn't, you know, <laughs> doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and important, more importantly, um, them for them to kind of figure it out uh, if they don't know how to, 
And I wonder your thoughts on that and, and how students can learn, particularly when it's like self-actualization and, and self-learning may be not a part of their environment. And then, um, then access to do that, even if you want to, because of the lack of, you know, you talked about the digital divide earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that you said specifically about, you know, needing internet access just to be a, take part in the economy. And a lot of young people, um, you know, particularly young people of color and in disadvantaged areas and so on and so forth don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder why just taking out, you know, internet is not like a utility, like the, like, you know, water and light or electricity, you know, so on and so forth. So if you could just talk a little bit about, you know, how can you kind of build in self, self-actualization and self-learning, uh, if that's possible, and then even, you know, d- dipping a little bit further into, you know, how the community can kind of help that by providing access to the right resources. Definitely. I mean, it's an interesting scenario that we find ourselves in. And we're not unique, by the way, you know, Black people, mm-hmm. uh, disadvantaged, uh, minority, under-resourced, underserved communities share these things. You know, it, digital divides happen when you have our particular economic situation and our history that we have in this country. Um, and I've written elsewhere that the digital divide spirals in one or another direction. And you can reverse that spiral, but it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we are in an amazing era in, you could say a democratized era in that access to information and resources and is extremely inexpensive and mm-hmm. accessible after you get past a couple of barriers. Mm-hmm. So when you have resources like Khan Academy or other types of educational videos that you can watch for free on YouTube, you say to yourself, okay, well, everyone could take advantage of it, but everybody doesn't. And part of the reason why is that you need some initial orientation that lets you know, first of all, this is for you. You can access this and this is how. Um, We tend to treat technology and information resources as magic. And if we don't demystify it amongst this particular target population, then they're not gonna be in a position to take advantage of it. Contrast that with other communities that expose people to um, these resources and information and technologies at a very early age. Help them understand that this belongs to you. It's part of the culture to say, you have access to this, take it all. It's free, it's available, and it's normal for you to do that. It's not magic. Um, You will find with uh, Dr. Fred Berkeley at COSI and his initiative on the color of science, that that's part of what they're trying to do, to help people at a younger age understand and appreciate the freedom of accessing these resources. I believe this is a cultural thing. And uh, I've myself, I have kids, I have grown kids and teenage kids who do not Google. And so I've been there myself where they've said, how do you do this? And I say, well, you Google it. What's wrong with you? I thought you had that, you know, but I'm a technology professional and my kids don't Google. So uh, I've seen firsthand that if it's not in you to do it, you're not gonna take advantage of that. So to your other point also just about access, um, you know, you give 
a, a young person an iPad, say, go home, go crazy. They don't know how to turn the iPad on. They don't know what browser to use, how to secure themselves, how to use online resources safely, not get taken advantage of or get robbed, you know, or any of that stuff. Um, don't know where to go, what browser to use or, or what to look for on YouTube, not what to search for. They don't know any of that stuff. And you come back the next day and say, what did you do? Did you build a new product, start a company? No, <laughs> you didn't do anything with that resource because you didn't receive any orientation or any of that. We need to build a culture in our community of availability. And that's our job as a community, especially technology professionals. And that's one of the reasons why we want to adopt a school. So we are present, not only with our young people, but with our elders, with everybody in the community. Say, this is how you use a tablet. This is what you can do with a Chromebook. This is what you can do with a PC. This is what you can do with a phone. You can use your location. You can take photos and videos. You can communicate with people around the world. You could start a company, but let's not get that far here. Let's just talk about the various things you can do to be safe, to, to get access to transportation, to uh, improve the nature of your education. You know, all of those things that you can do that I've learned over a long period of time, we got to get into the community and it's just not there yet. So if you can kind of give us an update, do you like how, where are you all? Where is Black Tech um, 614 with this initiative and what would you need to get to where you want to be? if that hasn't been reached yet. Right, so a couple of things. First of all, maybe I'll come back to it, but you, you guys seem to have read uh, the six posts that, that we did describing the nature of using technology to improve people's access to this economy. Um, and that's a part of it. So instead of just saying, we're gonna adopt a school, we wanna lay out the broad outlines of why and what will that do and how will that lead to success and those kinds of things. We specified in the call to action that we were going to partner with an organization like TechCore to get into the schools and organize content, volunteerism, curriculum development, and things like that, because that's what they do. They work with schools in that way. So they can be a bridge. We're not going to create a TechCore or something like that. We want them to help us do that. So we've had our initial meetings with TechCore. We do have a school that we are looking at and want to make some final uh, agreements to adopt before we announce that we're working with that school. And ultimately we wanna work with more than one school, but let's start on one, build a platform and scale it. And so things have moved very quickly and a lot of resources from companies, and this is why we did this. When companies say, well, we wanna do something, we wanna say, well, we have a school. And this is the program we're running in that school right now. Uh, schools are in a very difficult situation because people just can't be coming into a building like we used to a year ago. Um, so we got to figure all that out. But progress is happening very quickly, and I'm very happy with the success of that. Now, with that said, I do want to make sure that I come back to talking about why are we in a school? What do we want to do with K through 12? And I want to make sure that I say this. It's not acceptable to just do some great things in a school. We need to talk about what happens at that college level. Every student who graduates successfully from high school is not necessarily going on to a college degree. So what is happening with every single student with their opportunities to move into technology or to use technology in some other career field? 
um, no matter what you're doing. It could be the military, it could be uh, going directly to work. Um, you should be going into a nice high salary job if you want to go directly to work. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's do that. If you do go to college or you advance in a few years later, you're getting hired by a company that wants you to do technology. How do you survive in that environment? So now you're not in the fourth grade. You are 27 and you're trying to figure some stuff out. We need to make that whole continuum successful for every single person who engages in it. And so, you know, that's that pipeline that we need to keep our focus on. Can you expand a little bit? Because one of the things that resonated with me in uh, what you wrote on uh, articles that were written was this idea that when we, we put resources into schools, um, the highest amount of resources go to the number, the person that's performing at the highest level, right? right. Uh, with the, you know, and that's kind of almost like that worst implementation of the 20, 60, 20 rule, which is, you know, we're resource this top 20, Mm -hmm. and not care about this other 20 and then we can we, if we can move this middle 60 then that's cool but we're not <laughs> that's all we're going to do but the idea that essentially no student regardless of their you know academic performance should be left i don't say no child left behind but you know what i'm saying like yeah <laughs> the, um, resource. they should be under resource in particular because their lack of performance may not be a product of their aptitude, right? It right. may just be because they've been lack, you know, their resources have been lacking for a substantial amount of time. So you can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, that, uh, I'm passionate about it. I get emotional about it, honestly. Um, it's frustrating because I, I am all for reward for performance. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but when you do that on every station along the continuum from the earliest grades, so we tell students who are getting good grades in class, we take them out of that class. And we put them into something called a gifted program. Right. And we track them from that moment on. And if, if you know, you didn't get into the gifted program at that grade, if you're a freshman in high school or something and, and your grades start going up, we give you a coach and a tutor and we start talking to you about the Ivy League and, and we, we, we give you after school tutoring and then uh, test prep tutoring. And then you're gonna get solid scores on the SAT and the ACT, and you're going to get a full ride to a top school, and you, we're going to give scholarships to. Now, you already got a full ride. So if you're a good student and you figured out how to really try hard and struggle and get things done, we don't have any money for you. You know, just good luck. And our culture is very uh, rewarding of aspirational achievement. So if you aspire and you keep on hustling, uh, then then we're going to reward you with the funding and the resources to, to enter your college career in comfort. You graduate without loans. You have a car, you know, while you're in college, these kinds of things. This is a real problem because uh, the pipeline is, is going in the wrong direction. You're instead of widening it and making it accessible to more people to get into engineering, to get into the higher levels of technology, you're shrinking it at every level because we are a competitive society. Um, so I get that and that's all good, but we need to change the way we think about how we reward people. You're rewarding people who are already successful in the educational phase, as opposed to rewarding people who are uh, have other qualities that should, should be invested in. What really frustrates me about this, and I think probably you too, is when you find someone who had absolutely no resources, 
no uh, capabilities, uh, um, you know, no support or any of that, and they do it despite that, they come up with that solid ACT score or whatever, and they get into college, you still look at them like it, it's a affirmative action or a quota of some sort. That person is a god, you know? <laughs> when you find someone who's been able to do that, and, and it's a double-edged sword because now we lift that person up as the example of how everyone should have done what they did, when in fact, they're just a superstar. You know, they've done amazing things and we should reward them, but we should reward people who are doing their best, who are doing well, who are trying very hard, but need money. We should give scholarships and resources to people who need it, not to people who don't need it. You know, and I, I don't want to take money away from people who, you know, by all means, you, you got the grades, get the money. Um, but that's not going to help us transform a community and give economic opportunity to people. And it's not cheating and it's not failing them to pour money and resources into those communities and schools and say, wow, you seem to have aptitude for coding. I'm going to give you scholarships and tutors and all sorts of, no, 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 no. it's free. We're giving this to you because as a, a community and a society, we want you to succeed because we need you on the other side. Why don't we do that? You know, we have this attitude that uh, that is not fair to everyone or something. No, <laughs> that's not okay. It's fair. Let's resource these communities and these students and their families so that they can generate generational wealth. And it's interesting because in technology, when you look at the kind of the startup culture, the startups are done, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that you, because you may, you may have a startup that has no sales, no metrics of success, but you got to this point and someone thinks that because you got to this point is a great time to invest, right? Invest in you to help you get further because you've shown that you can get to this point. And in technology, that's what we do. We see all these mm -hmm. kind of things that happen, but it doesn't work or it doesn't make sense when it comes to individual people or certain, you know, people of, uh, of different backgrounds and things of that nature. And it's, it's kind of counter, right? And, right. And, you know, in terms of this is what we do over here for right. a startup, but then at the same time, we don't want to necessarily invest in the person that has actually shown the same kind of kind of trajectory. Right. When, when you see what's happening in the fifth grade, you're going to see the same thing happening at the top end of the continuum. Yeah. And that's why in my posts, I talked about the C-suite yeah. and how are you selecting people who gained that opportunity and beyond. And, and I went so far as to talk about uh, the board of directors mm -hmm. uh, because we do not have diversity on the board of directors. And I, my claim is that the same culture that rewards people uh, in the fourth grade or the fifth grade uh, for their performance and gives them resources is what we see all the way up into the C-suite uh, where we have a lack of diversity and all the way up in the, uh, in the board of directors. And so we need to flip that on its head and start talking about what kind of performance are we seeking and when we're looking for diversity. I wanna be clear also that we're not lowering standards. That is not the case here. And often that will be the argument against that. 
we have extraordinary high performance out of black people, people of color, minorities, underserved, disadvantaged communities are capable of the same level of performance as anywhere else. It is uh, institutional and systemic racism that prevents us from full participation in some of these programs. Uh, we need to create systems and cultures that reward great performance and mitigate lack of resources and barriers that people are experiencing. Uh, yeah. Great, great. Well, Doug, we, we really appreciate you joining us and um, the information that you provided us was um, uh, you know, essential. We got to hear from you about your, your journey and you know, even having an interest, interest and then being able to migrate that interest into another, another space, into technology and where it's taking you, how you've um, gotten there in terms of the traditional path, as well as, you know, kind of your own, navigating your own path and your own learning and things of that nature, and how young, currently young people can see that as a guide for themselves, and how you are pushing Dublin, Ohio, and the region and the state as a whole forward, and how the education uh, particularly in our K-12, what we've been talking about a little bit here, but, you know, um, even further into higher ed, how they can kind of catch on that, that wake and as, as things move forward, particularly the Black Tech 614 and what's been going on there. Adopting the school is huge. Um, I would love to talk to you more about that offline because that's mm -hmm. like in my, that's my heart right there, <laughs> you know, as far as uh, what I, um, what I've done. So, um, but, uh, and, and and the um, and what's been been going on with with that uh, initiative? We love to hear more about uh, that when uh, and have you and put maybe even at some point the entire Black Tech leadership back on and talk about that in, in more detail uh, when you're able to talk more about the actual school that you're going to be working with. We have Lisa Chambers actually coming on uh, next week, correct? Um, so. So we're, um, you know, we can. And by the way, we do plan some community updates because this is a community effort and we're not mm -hmm. going to do this in the dark. We're going to post and, and have a regular cadence of information coming back to the community about this. And we've abandoned our schools, not really abandoned, but we, we're not doing what we need to do so that our younger people are gaining access to us and the opportunities we have been able to get. So we're going to fix it. Well, we're excited about that and we look forward to hearing more about it. So again, thank you very much, sir. Uh, you have anything else you want to add, Brendan? Hey, Joel, uh, stated, we are so thankful for you to come on uh, throughout this time period where everything is just, you know, crazy right now, but your thoughtfulness, the answers that you've given us and really informing our listeners as well, too, about not what's only happening on Dublin, but also the broader Columbus region as well and some of the great initiatives that are going on. Thank you so much and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing this with our listeners. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate All it. Right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure you visit our website at go.osu.edu forward slash digital day one, the number one, where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests, and more information about our team. As always, we love to know what you think. 
use the feedback form on the website, or you can shoot us an email at digitalfromday1 at osu.edu. The one is actually spelled out here. Or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell your friends about our little show here, too. As always, I'm Joel, and that's Brendan. Let's continue to make the connections to opportunity stronger. Until next time, everybody.